and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Blow and Win with the Great Southern Brain Fart. Oh, and the guest has already made an appearance. So, um. Don't blame that on me, you asshole. Huh? Don't blame that on me, you I'm asshole. I'm totally gonna blame it on you. Look, he even ruins his own fucking intro. So, anyway. <laughs> like, an uh, intro from you means anything. Fucker. <laughs> All right, so 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 let me just tell you. Let me finish telling you about this dude. Okay, so this dude. So he's he's been working behind the scenes in the music industry for a long time because he's old as fuck. He's a freelance music industry consultant, and he's done online branding and marketing from everyone from Ozzy to Britney Spears. Which um, we'll do you go, we'll, do you notice we'll that there's that one band I haven't worked with and will never work with? Who is that? Colin Drive. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this idiot was tapped by Gene Simmons to launch uh, and manage Kiss Online. He's also one of the lead heads of the worst podcast on the planet, just below mine, Three Sides of the Coin. He's hated by Sebastian Bach almost as much as me, and I hope to one oh, day... Oh, I should have wore... Well, not that you can see the video. I should have wore my... I uh, Sebastian Bach hates me. You should have, and I would have I would have posted a picture of it. And that picture of you just picking your nose like a loser. But um, And I hope to one day be as big an asshole as him. Oh, yeah, and he worked with porn stars, too. So uh, let's blow some wind with Michael Brandvold. Mike, what's up, you shithead? <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you can tell I did my homework on this man. So, you know. yeah, homework. You just read a read a bio online. <laughs> well, I actually read that work. Well, I I I, I, I kind of you know yeah, tweaked it and put it in Word myself. You know, but you know, um, but I do have a bone to pick with you though before we get started. So, so you're the bl- you're the one to blame for VIP ticketing, right? Great, <laughs> I'm proud of that. Well, let's talk about that, man, because like that's that that that's a that's that's a very uh, yin and yang kind of like thing when it comes to music fans, as far as you know, like whether whether or not that's a cool thing. I mean, so obviously that was something that you were very important in, in implementing and whatnot. But what was the whole purpose and reasoning behind that? Um. To help artists find new revenue streams since uh-huh. at the point we were doing this was 2003, selling records was dead. I mean, we won't get into who to blame and what all of that. I mean, it's just, it's a fact. Selling records and selling music is dead. Uh-huh. Nobody's make nobody's surviving on selling their music anymore. And uh, I worked for company called signatures network which is an entertainment merchandising company so basically you go to a concert and you buy a tour book or a t-shirt they're the company that does that okay in the simplest terms but they do a lot more than just concert merchandising they license an an artist's name and likeness and they merchandise it on behalf of the artist and they make the artist money so signatures network represented like 150 different artists from the Beatles and Woodstock to Madonna and Britney Mm -hmm. Spears to Ozzy Osbourne, Motley Crue and Kiss. Mm -hmm. And I was hired to run the Kiss website. This was back in 98. 
and uh, 2003. Which at the time, you know, websites freaking, were still pretty much, you know. It was the dark ages. Yeah, exactly. Absolute dark ages. I mean, you know, social media did not exist. Right. YouTube did not exist. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, none of none of what you take for granted today existed back then. I was I was connecting to the internet and uploading media using a AOL dial-up connection. Fifty six k. Fifty six k. Squealing, you know. Uh, is, Don't you pick know. up the phone. Yeah, exactly. So I mean. Kids today don't know what it's like. No, they they, they don't Get know. Get my freaking lawn, you bunch of young kids. <laughs> they don't know the true struggles of what it was back then. <laughs> and, and, and I kid you not, that was 1998, 20 years ago. Yeah. That was not long ago. Uh-uh. But, but things have changed dramatically. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, in 2003, I'm running Kiss's website, and by then I'm running a number of other artists' websites Motley Crue, Fleetwood Mac, Rod Stewart, Meatloaf, bunch of bunch of artists that we're managing. We did everything except sell music. We were not the record label. So record label sold music. We did everything but that. We sold T-shirts and merchandise and whatever. And um, long story short, oh, Jesus, you are so unprofessional. I know. Isn't that great? Fuck whoever that was calling. <laughs> oh, now I, oh, I was gonna say I could call you just to make you look like an asshole, but I don't have your phone number. Um, two thousand three, uh, Kiss's management, Doc McGee, uh-huh. sends me a message saying, um, "Hey, we're getting ready to to um, announce the upcoming tour with Aerosmith. Do you want us to hold any tickets for each show for the fan club?" I'm like. Yeah, I don't know what what I do with them, but yes, hold tickets mm-hmm. because you know artists get to hold a, a chunk of tickets for their own use. Usually, at that point in time, it's for friends and family sales, right? You know, they mm-hmm. usually contract with some company who manages friends and family. Oh, you know, I'm going to be in New York City. I'd like tickets to the Kiss show. Call so and so, and she'll sell you friends and family great tickets. We hold awesome tickets anyway they said we can hold some for you but we need to know by the end of the week what you want because otherwise we release them meaning they release them back to the promoter so the promoter can sell these tickets to the general public then right um so i was like all right well you know i know that through the reunion tour and psycho circus kiss fans were paying like 500 700 a ticket to scalpers to get a front row seat. Uh. Um, I also know that Kiss had never done meet and greets with fans. Uh-huh. Um, and fans w- would kill to meet the band, get a photo with them. So, uh, you know, I put together, I, I probably got it, the paper thrown in some box somewhere, scribbled down. You know what? We would guarantee them a ticket in the first two rows. We're the merchandising company, so... We can print up an exclusive concert T-shirt that only you would get. It's going to cost us like a dollar fifty to do that T-shirt. Uh-huh. We'll give you a set of guitar picks. Thinking back again, two thousand three, 
artist guitar picks were not like they are now. Everybody freaking makes guitar picks and is selling them and doing everything. Back right. Then, yeah, back no, the, then, getting a guitar pick usually meant you had to get it because they threw it off the stage at you or you knew the tech who gave you a couple. Oh, it was a rarity. It was a rare, I mean, it was a rare find. Yeah. It was a rare thing to get a guitar pick. So I was like, well, we'll give them a set of guitar picks. Um, we'll give you an autographed tour book because we make the tour books. They're super cheap for us to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll get the band to autograph it. And you get a photo with the band. And, and I initially was proposing a photo with Kiss out of makeup because... I pretty much figured there's no way they can do it in makeup. They spend an hour, hour and a half before the show getting ready, putting on costume. Uh-huh. Getting, there's not time to do that. So I sent it, and I said, we'd sell that for $500 a ticket. And I sent that back to McGee. And um, Doc loved the idea, but said, um, I want to do it in makeup. Uh-huh. And I said, well... You can if you can get Kiss to do a group photo in makeup, we could sell this for a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's on his end. Yeah, like if you can make if that you, happen, if, if do you it. can make that happen, if you're confident of that, uh, even better. And again, I'm doing all this as a huge Kiss fan. I've been a fan of Kiss since 1976, mm-hmm. so I know as a fan. When you were like 15, um, I was 12. 12. Close. Close. Oh, see, you are old as fuck. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also smart as fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Something you don't have. Well, we will see about that. So. Shut <laughs> But no, uh, but anyway, so, 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 so it so, flew. So, yeah, we, so it, it flew. It, you know, it, yeah, we basically put together the $1,000 a ticket package. And nobody was doing this at that time in 2003. Uh-huh. And I remember the the tour the the tour dates were going on sale on like a friday and we had 25 of these thousand dollar tickets at each show and we had that's all oh yeah. wow that's all so it well, really started yeah. small well it had to be because we only had about a half hour of the band's time oh, so that to makes take sense. photos to meet the band get an autograph because you could also bring something to get autographed you know we couldn't put 100 people in there it would, yeah. it would have sucked. It would have sucked. So yeah. I was like, we can really only manage 25 people. And, uh, you know, we put the tickets on sale and nobody knew what was going to happen. Was this going to be a fucking dud or was it going to be huge? Right. It was either going to be one or the other. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, within minutes, shows were selling out. Uh-huh. Fans were just grabbing these thousand dollar ticket packages and we knew instantly we had we'd hit on something here uh-huh. that the fan you know we created something that the fans had been waiting for their entire life i mean that you know and we we got those messages from kiss fans i've been a fan for 40 years this is a dream i've been waiting for i never thought it would happen i now have the opportunity to go backstage and meet Kiss and get a photo with them in makeup as a band. Uh-huh. Uh, dream come true. Of course, I'm spending a thousand dollars. You know, um, and uh, once that worked with Kiss, so many other artists were like, "We want that now," because again, remember, 2003, artists were not selling 
crap loads of music anymore. No, that was she, pretty she, much the she, beginning of the end at that point. I mean, she, yeah, we're talking failed. like a, yeah. It was, it was bottoming out. So they had to make money elsewhere. Obviously, they've always made money touring because it was a live experience and that's what we were selling was the experience and i think what everybody has learned since then is fans will pay for a great experience a great memory a great moment you know you sell them shit they're not paying for it right but if you give them something they want that's a great experience they will pay for that and listen at the, at the end of that 60 date kiss tour and I'll let you do the math, even though I know you can't. Um, <laughs> 60, 60 dates, 25 of these tickets per show, $1,000 a ticket. All of them were sold out. Wow. Instant, instant brand new revenue stream for the artist. Uh-huh. And all it took was a half hour more of their time at a show that they were already at. And we did all of the other work for them. You know, it turned out great. And, you know, I don't care. Fans can argue that um, you should never sell that. It's, you know, those are your diehard fans. Well, you know what? You're exactly right. Those are the diehard fans. And if they didn't want to pay for it, they sure as hell wouldn't pay for it. Uh-uh. It's it's their choice. Uh, you know, the, the beauty of, of Kiss is Gene and Paul always have some great line and I remember Paul saying once, well, you know, when you get on an airplane, not everybody can fly first class. Some people fly coach. Some people <laughs> fly business. That's, it's, I mean, it's, it's very it, true, it, you it, know? It, it, it's very true. We all can't drive a Porsche. We all can't, you know, drive, you know, Corvettes. Uh, it's just the way it is. And not a single fan complained about that experience. Uh-uh. And And frankly, many of them, were repeat purchases. Uh-huh. They they buy one, get their photo with Kiss. We never antici- in, anticipated this happening. Uh-huh. And then they'd get that photo blown up to a poster size image, uh-huh. and then buy another package to come back to another show to have the band autograph the poster. Uh-huh. So, pe- people loved it. And it, what sucks about VIP is when artists. Are lazy. Now, see, that was going to be my next question because and they don't yeah. give you value for your money. Uh, you know, you can say whatever you freaking want about Kiss, but their packages today. You go back, you meet the band, you get a photo with the band. They put on a private acoustic concert backstage before the show, where they will play the deep cuts, songs that never get played in the real show. Uh-huh. I mean, so you're getting a mini acoustic show, you're meeting the band, you're getting a photo with the band, you're getting a great seat, you're getting your merchandise and all that other stuff. That's a value. That's 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 an experience. You know, then you've got these other bands that, you know, think, oh, well, well for $300, we'll just let you in the door early and I'll spend one minute with you taking a photo and there you go thank you there's your there's your vip experience that's not a vip experience that's just being greedy no because that's that's the thing is that like you know from a fan's perspective of course like when i first was really made aware of the frequency of this kind of vip experience you know we're talking 
you know, 2008, 2009. I mean, like, I knew it had been happening, you know, but, like, around 2009 was when I really started to see, like, Every the high frequency it. of it. And then it got to be a kind of thing where my perspective on it was, like, you know, like, I wouldn't pay it, you know, because... <laughs> it's not even if you, but, you couldn't afford to pay it. You don't have the money. Well, because okay? I live in my wife's basement. Exactly. <laughs> your well, VIP is experience is your wife letting you out of the basement. <laughs> well, but seriously though, like in a, in a, in, a, in my attitude about the whole thing changed over a course of time because what first started off exactly like what you said earlier was that it was kind of this sense of like, oh man, that's just a way to kind of you know scrounge some extra money off the fans, but. It's also the experience because I also know that a band like Kiss, someone like Ozzy, somebody like whoever, you know, they can't walk out of a backstage door anymore and hang out and sign autographs for 10 or 15 people because no, they're can't. just going to get mobbed. You know, They'd be there and, for the entire day because then everybody shows up. And exactly, wants. and then once it gets around that it happens, da 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 da. So yeah, so this makes for uh, you know. A more intimate experience, a valuable experience. It it it's a it's a better organized, better planned out experience. And and frankly, listen, it's just a case of supply and demand. If if there was no demand for these experiences, they wouldn't be sold because people wouldn't have bought them. The bands wouldn't be doing them. But the supply is out there. Fans want these experiences. As a fan myself, I paid I paid two hundred and fifty bucks to finally go backstage and meet Cheap Trick. This is my life, you know. I'm a huge fan. I'd gladly pay that. Yeah, I mean, right, you know, yeah. and, and 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 it's and it's hassle free. And I'm not saying that some people don't know how to work the system to get their uh, a VIP stick on pass to go backstage. Because listen. I've done that so many times in my life, but I also know from experiences that there's how many shows do you show up and the promised VIP pass isn't there or or the band decided not to do that meet and greet that you were going to be part of. When you pay for this, you're getting it. There's there's no worries. You're taken care of. If let's put, if the bands do it the right way, you're taken care of, you're treated well, um, you know, they give you the respect. I mean, I, I, I clearly remember one night in uh, Jones Beach out in New York, um, Kiss was backstage getting ready to do the meet and greet with the fans. And at the time, Tommy Hilfiger owned Jones Beach, the, okay. the, the outdoor venue there. Mm-hmm. So Tommy Hilfiger was backstage with a bunch of his family and friends. And Tommy and, and his entourage walk into the backstage room that we're doing the meet and greet with the fans gene went over and said hi but gene also said tommy can you can you guys go wait outside for about 15 minutes um these fans paid for this experience and this is their time to spend with us see and it was awesome. like that, that that that's cool because you know the artist has to understand these fans paid for that time and your job is to make that time as memorable as possible. So they leave going, that was the coolest thing in the world. 
Oh yeah. See, and I love hearing that because one of the things we've also we also know as Kiss fans, regardless of like level or status of Kiss fans, you know, I mean, I've been a Kiss fan since you know early on, also, but like weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just actually, you know, I mean, since 2011, the no, Kiss but, Virgin. <laughs> But what do we know about KISS? Is that we know about KISS is that regardless of your outlook on them or like whether or not Gene is pompous or whatever, that they love the fans. And they give the fans everything that they can. You know what I mean? And that's what you expect. But what I wanted to ask you is that still working on the inside of everything, now that you're seeing a lot of these other bands doing this, what what are some of the bands and if you don't feel comfortable naming them by name that's fine or you can just tell me how but like what bands do you feel like are doing it wrong like because you know i can tell you a few myself i I, I, I wouldn't i don't i don't want to name names but it's it's quite obvious it's the bands that can't afford to have to hire somebody to do it right for them um you know they they don't have teams supporting themselves anymore they may not even have a manager anymore it's bands that used to be up here and now are down here and just surviving you know they got to do what they can to survive and you know i mean listen somebody like kiss and granted very few bands are at the stature of kiss but you know there's a dedicated person on the road uh-huh. whose only job is managing the meet and greets, setting it up, coordinating with the fans, making sure the fans get everything they want. You know, they've got a merchandising company whose job is to sell those meet and greets uh-huh. and make sure that any customer service issues are dealt with and that everybody gets what they need who has questions, concerns, or whatever. There's a lot of bands that aren't in the position to do that anymore whether they can't afford it or they don't want to because they just don't want to spend the money on it uh-huh. and then they just feel like well i tell you what we're we're doing a general admission show in the middle of kansas and we'll sell you a 75 dollar vip program just come to the backstage door 30 minutes before showtime you can come in you can meet the band we'll take some photos and then kick you out it's like that's not an experience that's oh i've seen them i've seen them i've seen them just as bad where like you know some of these club level but like long time running metal bands which you know i mean i have no problem mentioning names like 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 even a band like testament where i've seen them you know advertising a vip experience where the experience is select members of the band will appear and I'm thinking to myself like okay you that, know what that, you're that, not that, even the level of kiss and all four well, members and, of know, kiss l- can listen, show up. I, I can I can tell you from my own experience and listen I've I've managed a number of programs and I've had artists where I've just advised and consulted with them uh-huh. and one of the first things I say is if you are not com- if you don't like meeting your fans and I'm not criticizing you for that because it might be a shock to a lot of fans, uh-huh. but there's a lot of musicians who are so introverted they don't like meeting fans. Oh, it, I mean, it, oh, yeah, I mean Neil Peart. That's a prime yeah, example. And and and, and 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 I'm there's I don't have an issue with that. Right. But you need to understand that up front that if you don't want to meet the fans, don't sell a meet and greet. Right. Uh, you know, I did meet and greets. Um, 
for Yes and Motley Crue the first time they both did them. Uh-huh. And needless to say, um, in the case of Motley Crue, we never had problems with Mick or Nikki. They were there every time. Uh-huh. 95% of the time, we never had a problem with Tommy. Uh-huh. Vince, sometimes he just didn't show up. Right. You know, and, and when you sell a meet and greet to the band and one guy doesn't show up, you're immediately got people who are pissed. Especially the singer, which sucks to begin They're with. They're pissed. So now you're <laughs> refunding partial money. You're giving them other things to make them happy. If you as an as a band are very uncomfortable and, and just don't like meeting your fans, uh-huh. don't sell it. Or up front... And I think, I could be wrong, but I think on one of the last Motley Crue tours, they sold the meet and greets, and they made it known up front that Tommy wasn't going to be part of them, because Tommy didn't agree with doing meet and greets for sale. Great. So, you at least know up front. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or... That's fine. So you've got to be very clear when you when you set up your meet and greet program. Here's exactly who's going to be there. Here's exactly who's what they're going to get. Here's exactly how much time is going to be spent. Because remember, these are your diehard fans. Uh-huh. These are the fans who will be the first ones to say how much they fucking loved it because you were the coolest guys in the world to spend time hanging out in the bar, drinking beer and and eating nachos with them. They will also be the same fans to say, fuck you guys. Uh You know, I spent $75 to have you hang out by the backstage door and sign an autograph and take a selfie with me. What is that? Those are the best ones. The ones that are like, bring your own camera. I'm like, I'm not going to pay you a hundred bucks. You better have a fucking camera there. Especially (laughs) when the the VIP program is over. And then 10 minutes later, some other fans just are hanging out by the door. And you go do the same thing with them that I just paid 75 bucks for. Right. They will, those diehard fans will be the first ones to get online and say how terrible it was. Oh yeah. And you you don't want to piss them off. It's not hard to put together and organize a great VIP experience. But you have to do it right from the get-go. You have to have a person who's committed to being in charge of it. You can't say, well, you know, it's uh, our sound guy's going to run it when he's not busy. It's like, uh-huh. uh-uh. That, that doesn't cut it because the sound guy might get busy one night and then can't pay attention to your VIPs and then it's a crappy experience. Right, right. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is because, like, one of the things, you know, in all seriousness, like, you know, you and I, we've been friends for a while. And, you know, yeah, well, well, actually, I'd say about a week at this point, you know, but, no, but, I mean. You've been stalking me so bad that I had to do this. But, you know, but seriously, like, like one of the things I always, always loved about you, though, was the fact that, um, you were someone that I could look to, especially as somebody who's brand new to the, you know, working in the industry, you know, as a PR person. But like, I looked to you and I could see some of the things that you've done over the years. And I mean, and you, I mean, you put a lot out there. I mean, you've got your 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 marketing podcast, which is like a plethora 
of just free that's a bit, that's information. A big word like, that's a big word like gymnasium. Well, I had to spell check it, and, and like I, I've actually got it on this Word <laughs> document right here that's like, you know, got it phonetically spaced out. Plethora. So, plethora of free information out there for people like me that I could go, you know, I wonder, you know, I wonder what it would be, what it would take for me to do this, you know? And so you were really putting a lot of yourself out there as far as like your knowledge and stuff. So I want you to take me back to like a younger Mike Brandville. Like what got you into the industry? What was it that, what was it that appealed to you and opened that door for you to say like, you know, for some, it's for some, it's like, I want to be out front and on the stage and playing and then for some it's like i want to be running the show for you you know like what, what puts you I've there as, as a music fan i've always been fascinated by behind the scenes mm-hmm. like whenever i went to concerts in the in the 80s you know i'd always be more interested in looking at how things were being set up and hung from the rafters and peeking behind the stage and what was this and how did that work and where was the logo hanging and Uh you know the business of everything was always more interesting to me than being the rock star i couldn't play i wasn't a musician by any means so it's like i'm not going to be that so i'm not interested i can give a crap about how that guitar solo was played. Uh I could give a crap if the drummer was fast or the drummer was slow or he missed a note. It's like, uh, that means nothing to me. Right. It it was all about, do they look fucking cool? Uh And is everybody happy? That's Uh what it comes down to. Um, And I I remember mid-80s thinking, oh, you know, wouldn't it be so cool to work for KISS? You know, every, everybody mm-hmm. probably thinks that about you. Whoever your favorite band is, man, it would be so cool to 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 work for them, to to be the roadie, to do this, to whatever it might be. Well, I've been and, wanting to work for Zamfir, Master of the Pan Flute, for decades. And and and, and I'm sure there's people just lining up to work for your band, right? <laughs> Dude, I can't pay people to work for my band. <laughs> can't even pay your band. I can't pay my band. That's the thing. I'm surprised they're still with me. Um, but I, you know, I gra- when I when I graduated college in '87, uh-huh. um, you know, it's like, oh shit, now I got to get a job. And 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 actually, the last two years. Now, did of you my study college, business? I mean, was that what you? Yeah, were I studied you, marketing. Marketing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I I spent two years doing college radio, just uh-huh. because. I've always also looked at disc jockeys as rock stars. It was so cool uh-huh. to meet a disc jockey that I grew up listening to, and I thought that was the coolest thing. You know, I had I had no voice for radio. I might have the face, as they say. Um, it's one and, thing we have in common. <laughs> you, you you definitely have more than enough voice for radio. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the face for like pirate radio. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, it was also cool just because college radio was like I could play whatever the shit I wanted. You know, right. I played. A, I had a metal show and I could play whatever I wanted. Whatever and track. Then I immediately what, you didn't have realized, like a playlist or anything like that. You just I was do, like, yeah. holy shit! Record labels send me free music. Oh, is yeah. that the is that the coolest thing in the world? I can call up a record label and go, can you 
service me all of your new music. Mm-hmm. And every day I'd walk into the college radio station, go to the mailbox, there'd be like stacks of records. I'd like, this is the fucking coolest thing in the world. Free fucking music. Then it dawned on me, shit, I can get free concert tickets too. And, kind of how I, I started my blog. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, it's like that same I, thing. I didn't, I didn't start doing it because that's what I wanted. Right. I learned. It's like, oh, by the way, I'm talking to the ra- the record rep for uh, Chrysalis Records. Uh, hey, so and so's coming through town. Could you know? I'm kind of like shyly going. Is there any chance I could get a couple tickets? Oh, no problem. Do you want? Do you want? You want some um, after show passes? You fucking kidding me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. So all of a sudden, I'm I'm getting a really big taste of the the music business, dealing with radio promotion people at record labels and free music and going backstage and all this stuff. And then I was like, "Fuck this! I want to work in the I want to work in the music business." Uh-huh. And I just sent out a shitload of resumes. And uh, I remember one of them I sent to Chris Lent, who was the business manager for Kiss at the time. Uh-huh. And I just said, listen, I'd love to work for Kiss. And he and I got to find it because he actually sent a letter back saying, well, we're not looking to hire anybody at this point in time. Best uh-huh. of luck. To you. And, you know, that was in 1987. You could have sold that at the expo. I sh- probably could have. <laughs> I, you know, I could at least autograph that and people wouldn't be pissed at me autographing that. <laughs> should have got Vinny to autograph my three sides button. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That'd actually be worth a lot. Anyway, you know, '87. I send a, a, a resume to Kiss, and who who would have guessed that in '98, twenty years later, basically, uh-huh. I'm working for Kiss. Now, how did that fall through? I mean, how did that how did that fall into place? Was it because of that resume that you had sent before? Or did you just follow up on it, or you just kind of no, kept I, on them? No, I um, started a website in 1995 called Kiss Otaku fan website that I just built so I could learn how to program HTML. And keep in mind, if 1998 was the dark ages of the internet, Good 95, God. 95, yeah. literally like. You're talking like Telnet back in the day. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, in, you know, it, it, nothing existed. When I built my KISS website in 1995, it was the fifth website in the entire internet about KISS. Oh, wow. Okay. The fifth site on the internet. I remember when I built and launched it, and um, there were Usenet groups. Think of them oh, as yeah. message boards. Yeah, I remember Usenet the Usenet groups, yeah. And I was on a Usenet group that was, topic was about announcing your new website. And somebody posted something, hey, if you ever launch your new website, send send an email to these two guys in, at Stanford University in, in California. They're building a list of websites. I'm like, cool. I sent it to the guys who started Yahoo. Yahoo did <laughs> Yahoo didn't exist. They were still college students in a dorm at Stanford University hand building a directory of websites. Of websites, right. I emailed them saying, "Hey, would you include this?" 
and I didn't save it, but somewhere there was an email back. Yeah, you know, we'll include you in our next update. Mm-hmm. I mean, Google didn't exist. Amazon.com didn't exist. No, no, none of this no. shit existed in 95. Um, but I built the website so I could learn how to HTML code. And, you know, I also was like, all right, well, I know 96, the reunion tour happens. I know enough about the music industry that I can contact the band's management company, see if they can provide me news updates and access to stuff so I can update the website. They mm-hmm. did. And, um, you know, the website just took off. It was the right time. You know, I launched this website, 95, 96. Kiss explodes with the reunion. I'm right there and, you know, ground zero as all of this is exploding. Um Fast forward to 1998, um, I get a, a voice. Well, actually, a little earlier than that. Uh, during the, they remember Kiss put on their own tour conventions. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just before the reunion tour, and I sent an email to Gene <clears throat> Simmons on AOL because at that point in time he was hanging out on AOL talking to Kiss fans. Right. I sent him a message and I said, hey, you know, I'm in Chicago. I'd love to help promote your Chicago convention. He's like, yeah, here, um, send an email to Tommy Thayer. He's helping organize all this stuff for us and he'd love to have you help. I'm thinking, is this the same Tommy Thayer that's in black and blue? Because I'm a huge black and blue fan. I'm like, this is fucking cool. Right. So I turn, it turns out, uh, yeah, I help promote the, the Chicago convention. Um, I was up in Minneapolis right after the Chicago convention, and they invited me to come to the show, the convention, for free. Got to hang out backstage. You know, all this stuff. It's like this. I'm, just, I'm a fucking geeking out Kiss fan. Right. Um, and I remember, uh, just for the shits of it, I gave Gene Simmons backstage a one-page proposal of, hey, Kiss needs to have a website, and I could do that for you. I had no idea about the business dealings and how you license and build shit and work with bands yet at that point in time. I was just right. like, and I'm doing it here. You still me, like the, me, yeah, you're like, hire, no hire one's doing me. it. Let me do it. Right. Hire yeah. me. I still, I still, I was still naive enough to think Gene hired people. Um, <laughs> uh, fast forward to 98. Why I still stayed on the radar just speculation that that i was not a freaky fan i i dealt with Uh the management company respectfully i wasn't begging for shit i get a phone call from gene a voicemail that says mike this is gene simmons of kiss he always says that this is gene simmons of kiss (laughs) you're sort of like uh, uh, yeah you don't need to clarify that every time you you mess up. Oh, I thought this was the Gene Simmons from Accept. Sorry. Exactly. (laughs) Um, uh, I've got a business proposition I'd like to discuss with you. Please give me a call back at your soonest convenience. What the fuck does that mean? Um, Call him back. He basically is like, you know, what are you doing for a living? I'm like, well, I'm managing a network at Montgomery Wards. Um, You know, I've got good paying job blah 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 he's like well you know would you be interested in in building our website for us i'm like well i'd be interested in discussing it because mm-hmm. i wasn't i wasn't one of these crazy ass kiss fans who's like yeah 
Oh yes. my god, I'll do it for a t-shirt. Please, yeah, send me a t-shirt. I'll do it right now. You're like, like, let's talk. Let's talk. I mean, I've got a good paying gig with full benefits and everything right now. If you want me to do something else, I got to talk. He's like, all right, you know, here's the, no here's the phone number for our manager, Doc McGee. Give him a call and see if you can work something out. Uh -huh. And uh, I do remember one of the things he said near the end of our conversation was he's like mike you know i can make no promises of what's going to happen i'm opening a door for you i can't make you walk through the door i don't promise what's on the other side of the door it's up to you what you do with this it's like that's pretty profound when you think about which it which is actually like very cool and straightforward yeah, you know because not even he's, a normal employee or employer well, it usually be no that straightforward, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's just like, here's a chance, but it's completely up to you. Well, that was August of 98. Um, within the ne Over the next six weeks, I have conversations with Doc, who eventually puts me in touch with the CEO of their merchandising company, who is in San Francisco. And I was flying out to Los Angeles for the press conference of the Psycho Circus album and mm -hmm. tour. I was going out there anyway on my own as a fan. And basically, um, the CEO, Dell, of the merchandising company said, well, why don't you fly out here a day early? We'll meet with you. Then you can fly from San Francisco down to L.A. and then you can go home from there. Sure. So I fly out to uh, San Francisco, um, go to the merchandising company's office, um, downtown San Francisco, and um, go into their conference room. And it's basically me and five other people from the merchandising company, uh -huh. the CEO and a bunch of VPs. Uh -huh. And and basically, the first thing the CEO said to me is, so how much how much do you want? And I'm thinking to myself, well, shit, I've already got this. If he's if he's already just asking me what I want, it's 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 done. Right. And I had already calculated. All right, here's what I was earning in Chicago. Cost of living increase to go move to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Moving, blah, blah, blah. I threw a number out. said, okay. Because they um, weren't just talking about you, like, developing the site and just being like, this is... They are talking about, like, you developing, maintaining everything. Like, doing, everything. like, you know, basically the, you, were the, the, you were going to be their guy. I was going to be the, the in-house paid professional KISS fan. You know, pay pay me to build the website, to maintain the website, to gather the content for the website, to connect with the fans, to do everything to keep this alive and active, uh -huh. to promote Kiss online. Um, so yeah, basically they hired me. Um, we worked out um, start date that I would move from Chicago to San Francisco. I think it was like two weeks later. They hired a moving company to come to my place and pack everything up and move it out. They got me a temporary place to live when I moved to San Francisco until I could find a permanent place. So I wasn't actually working for Gene. Right. I was working for the merchandising company. As I said earlier, Gene doesn't pay you. He gets somebody else to pay you. Oh smart. yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, that's where like your connection ends. Like people, yeah. people don't realize that. Like you're not working for the band. You're I working for the band, but you're working for like the people that work never for the band. An employee <laughs> of Kiss, right? Never an employee of Kiss, 
Kiss was one of the clients of the company I worked for. Right. And Kiss was my primary role at the company. And and over the years, I had other artists given to me as well mm-hmm. to start working with. But Kiss was my primary one. For, for the first couple years, all I did was work kiss and go uh-huh. to kiss shows and take pictures and video and build the website and do all this shit that a you know kiss fan would do basically if if you were hired and given full access here go go nuts whatever you want to do right. um so that that that's how that all came about so at what point did did you find yourself kind of exiting out of the 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 the, the kiss family of uh, sorts and then kind of venturing into other things well i i've always been you know it's funny i've always been part of the family because uh-huh. um, even every you know every time i see them now it's like mike it's great to see you good to see you again uh-huh. you know I, last summer in minnesota i took my wife and my three-year-old daughter to the show we went backstage they took pictures with us paul picked my daughter up and gave her a big hug and everything so it's like i've always been you know, they know who I am. Right, right. Um, but there was seven or eight years after I started working there. It and and you got to remember by that time I had I was now not just Kiss but Kiss, Madonna, U two, Motley Crue, Fleetwood Mac, Rod Stewart, Meatloaf, Aaron Carter, Alan Jackson, Britney Spears. You know, a plethora of artists that I was dealing with, some level of building, managing, running, doing something for their website and fan uh-huh. club. Um, the the celebrity, how, how do I phrase this? The amount of attention these celebrities demand of you was like, fuck, I'm getting tired of this shit. Oh, you know, I can't I'm, even imagine, especially on that on 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 the level where you're at, where they're you know, like, well, I, we need you... to have this. We need to have this done right now. Or right, you know, all right, you know, fun, fun, funny story. You know, I mean, this is the type of stuff that just wears you thin. Motley Crue, it's their reunion. It's when they got back together, and then they did the Carnival of Sins tour. Yeah. Um. So we were doing. All of their online stuff. We were building the new Motley Crew website. We were going to do the VIP program, the whole thing. And this, I love this because listen, I'm a huge Motley Crew fan. Uh-huh. So it's great. So we're working with Motley Crew's management on this new website. Now, keep in mind, one of the things with Gene and Paul is you always work directly with Gene and Paul. They're very hands-on when it comes They're, to kids. They are always hands-on. There yeah. might be other people involved. And CC'd and input, uh-huh. but Gene and Paul are always. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten emails, faxes, phone calls from them directly talking about something specific. Um, that's pretty much the only artist I've ever dealt with that it was that way. Everybody else, you've probably never ever talked to the artist because you were always dealing with the personal assistant or the manager. So, Motley Crew. We're building this website. We're submitting it to management for approvals and directions and comments. You know, all this stuff that goes on. Uh 
And obviously, we have to have the new website approved, ready, and to launch to coincide with the big press conference. Motley Crue is reuniting. They're going out on this big tour. So we get all of the approvals from management. We get it all set up. We launch the whole thing. Same time the press conference happens. And then we get the frantic phone call like that day for management. We got to take the website down. We got to change it. We got to change it. The band doesn't like it. And we're like, but you approved it. Well, the band never saw it. <laughs> well, I, I, okay. That's, Whose problem is that? <laughs> yes, we, we will accommodate everything you need and we will take it down and rebuild it and do what needs to be done. But, but understand, you gave us approvals. You prove this. Right. So so if what's up there they don't like, that's not a reflection on us. We did it. So it's it's crazy stuff like that where it's just like the last minute stuff of I need you to do this, I need you to do that. And and keep in mind at the same time all of this is happening. I'm in San Francisco and this is the first dot com era right yeah there's shit loads of web and tech jobs everywhere mm -hmm. i got an offer to go work for a startup for 25 percent more money than i was making <laughs> guys less hassle and, and it's like well shit gene himself would be fucking proud of me going to somebody who's going to pay me more money right so, yeah, I took a job for 25% more money with a startup company and a lot less stress and, as you said, hassle and all the other, you know. Uh, there there are some fans who go, how could you do that? You were working with Kiss. and so It's like, you understand, it's, it's, it's a, it was a job. It's a job. This it isn't like job. just hanging there's, out there's, with rock there's stars. A lot, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff that goes along with any job that anybody has anywhere yeah it wasn't all just glamorous yeah i loved it i freaking loved it being paid to be a fan was the coolest thing in the world but there was a shitload of bullshit that went along with it as well oh yeah yeah i mean i can't and even even just from my perspective like like i said like i, I like not even working with these bands but just from the like blogger side where like I have to interview some of these people and some like I can kind of see like I see like a glimmer of that do you know what I mean like yeah. where, where like I see it from my perspective where I go and it's not all of them like you said but there's some that I've 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 worked with where I there's, go there's some of them that just one band alone is more than enough to make you go screw everybody else because you, oh. you just you just destroy everything for everyone oh yeah you know, and and you know, fans would be like, "Yeah, but don't you hang out with Gene and Paul all the time?" I'm like, "No, no. we've got nothing in common. <laughs> we have nothing in common. It's not like, like we're hanging out talking about the latest episode of Seinfeld or the new Godzilla movie or what." It's like, no, I'm a fan of their band. That's the extent of it. They hired me to do a job. I'm there to do a job, not to be the gushing fan. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's a and that's a big difference, you know, because like you said, like and in some ways it almost kind of uh, I'm trying to figure out how to best say like 
it kind of takes the magic away a little bit, but not necessarily in a bad way. Because it's like you said, like even though you're being paid to be a fan, like all of a sudden, like but you're being paid to, to do a job well, for it, a band it, that you're a fan of. You know it what I mean? Take the magic away if you aren't in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. If you go in and 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 frankly i don't think this would ever happen because i think bands are smart enough to weed out the gushing crazy fans so they never even get the potential to work with the band i mean all bands are very careful about who they bring in to their close family right um but if you are a gushing fan and you got to work back work directly with a band yeah you might be greatly disappointed in what you learn and what you see and it might destroy everything but that wasn't the case for me because i pretty much always knew all along that what you see out front is just a put on and i'm not saying this for kiss but it's every band you're projecting an image out front that you want your fans to see and believe and think as you when behind the scenes we're not the monkeys. We don't all live in the same house together. It's entertainment. It's theatric. It, it's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's not, a yeah. business. It's a business who survives by making money selling product. And we aren't doing this because we just want to, for the love of the music, and give it away. We love the music, and we love the fact that we can get paid doing what we love. So... I, I was always never had a problem seeing the reality of what was real in the world of bands and and entertainment. So it didn't shock me. But I think a lot of fans would be extremely shocked to to see what was really what really goes on. To to learn that that band who on the record says, "Oh, we do this for the love of music." is having meetings figuring out how they can sell more product to you. Right. Right. I mean, you know, that that it was it was funny. It was like I remember seeing a picture of uh, Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead getting off of an airplane holding a briefcase. You know, and everybody there's, you know, there's a band who and they were like they were like was oh, all but, about business. Oh, exactly. You know, but like that it's, it's the same thing kind of like you said. You kind of look at them from the stage and you're like they're projecting this music and they're projecting this vibe and everything, but like behind the scenes like they were they were a business. They were an operation. They were making money. They were p- trying to find ways to but again, kind of goes back to the whole thing, you know. I mean, it wasn't like the Grateful Dead was producing platinum records. You know, so you had to find ways to kind of say, okay, how can we monetize on this? How can we make money? But you know what? They weren't producing platinum records back then because nobody realized yet that we could produce them and sell them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, it's all an evolution. Everything just evolves over time. I mean, again, just think back. It was 2003. 15 years ago when VIP programs first started. Nobody was doing that during the 80s. They sure could have, but it didn't dawn on anybody that we could sell that. Nobody thought, wow, there's an opportunity. It just didn't make... Nobody was even 
it wasn't on the radar. It was just an evolution of things have to happen before people go, well, we could do this, then we can do that, then that can happen, and that can happen. Well, how much of that, too, is also because back then, you know, these bands were also, have, they had platinum records, and they were selling tons of merch, and they were on the well, road, they did, and they, they were they, selling they out arenas. Didn't. Again, you know? they did, yeah, they didn't care. It was an evolution. It, it took the death of music sales for artists to go, all right, we need to make money somewhere else. You know, all of a sudden my income stream is in half because the fans who used to buy my music 10 years ago steal it now. Right. And now I need to make more money to survive as a band. The band is a business or the band goes out of business. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And it took that for the VIP programs to happen. Back in the 80s, nobody was fucking worried. Right. Money was being thrown away hand over fist. Well, so now you have this whole nother generation of, of bands. And, like, you know, like, I when I started the blog in 09, I, I kind of came in to came into the scene with this kind of uh, resurgence of classic metal where like a lot of these newer younger bands were you know like bands like holy grail and white wizard and uh, vindicator and you know these like young 20 something guys who were kind of bringing back this kind of metal but then like i was even able to see from my perspective wow these bands aren't getting the opportunities that like had this been 1985, 86, those, those bands would have been in tour buses. They would have been opening for, you know, Ozzy or whoever. They would have been on bigger tours. They would have had, you know, they would have had, you know, full page ads and hit parader. Like, we've seen all this go. You and I are very close in generations, though, where we've seen all of this go away now. You know, so from your perspective, seeing where young and upcoming musicians, what kind of chance do these bands have? And I mean, and I'm not asking that in in a sense that like it, like in a depressing way, but in a in a realistic way. Like what? Well, we're not going to get you're, another Kiss, and we're not going to get another Motley Crue or another. Metallica. I, well, listen. You know? I, I, no, I think that's bullshit because we don't know. Okay. You, you, nobody knows. I mean, right. nobody's been able to predict who's going to be the next whatever. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it tougher now? Question. No question. It's more difficult. Right. But here's the thing. Does a band today stand any chance of becoming a multimillionaire? Not a chance in hell. Yeah. Not a chance in hell. And, and and frankly, if you're getting into this business to become a rich rock star, I hope you fail. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, you yeah. know, that's that's the wrong reason you're doing this. You, you well, know, it was the wrong reason it, for it, doing it, it back it, when it was possible. You're, at least you're at least say you're you're getting into this business for the chicks. Uh-huh. I mean, that was the go to line all through the sixties, seventies and eighties. I wanted to be a rock star for all the women. Right. If you want to, if you want to become, if, if you want to start a band because you want to be a rock star and you want to become a millionaire, here, take all the money you might have scraped together to buy all the gear you've got in your rehearsal rooms, put all that money and go down to Seven Eleven and buy a boatload of lottery tickets. Yeah, you've got a much greater chance of winning money on lottery than you will ever have. 
getting that money being a, a, a rock star. I mean, it's just, it's, that's, that's the reality. But here's the thing. If you want to freaking work and you really are passionate about this, there is not a better time because there is so much at your access now for any band of any level. Remember, in the 80s, the only way you could have released music was through a record label. Uh The only way. Now, everybody, even as shitty as you, can get a CD up on iTunes. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send you my band's fucking CD, and you're going to fucking like it, dude. (laughs) You know, you, you, you understand those questions are, you set me up to just lead to that fucking slam 10 minutes later. I know, and I know it's coming. It's just more of like a, like a when is it going to hit me, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, that's why... I yeah. don't want you to know when you're going to get slapped. Yeah, look, look I, I wore Kevlar reality, underwear for this. The reality is, you can get your music released now, no problem. Every band <clears> out there can get your music up in iTunes, Amazon... Spotify, you can get everywhere you want. You know, CD Baby, TuneCore, all these companies will distribute you to a hundred different digital outlets. Oh, Not yeah. a f- problem now. You couldn't do that. You could around the world. Let's put it that you could. You can get your music around the world now. Uh-huh. You couldn't do that in the eighties, nineties, seventies. It took somebody with a boatload of money to do it for you privately or it took a record label to spend the money to do it for you so now you've got the ability to do it back in back in the heyday in order for you to connect with your fans somebody had to spend a shitload of money to buy an ad and hit prater and rolling stone and spend a boatload of money to put you on the road opening some opening for ozzy where you were losing money every single night Right. But the record label was footing the bill because it would sell more records. Oh, right. The yeah. moment you stop selling records is the moment your tour support ends and you're no longer <clears throat> back sitting in your garage going, so where's all my money? Well, mm-hmm. all that money from all those record sales paid us back for the thousands of dollars a day we spent to keep you out on the road. You know, the tour bus you were in? We paid for that. You know, all that road crew, we paid for that. Oh, yeah. All of the hotel rooms, we paid for that as well. That's why you got vans living in vans now, sleeping in Walmart parking lots. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because they figured that out. The fact that you toured with Ozzy or some other band, well, we paid to get you on that tour. Right. All of that money, you just paid us back through all of your record sales. So, guess what? You sold a million copies. Yep. But... You didn't make any money off of it because... You still owe us. You owed us all of this money to get to this point. And now you 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 can make money selling a shitload less albums. So do you think that like the oversaturation... There, I mean, and this is coming from your your marketing standpoint, from like way, way, what you see from that side that you're working in now... Um, is this oversaturation though cause 
some problems. I mean, it, I'm trying to find a good way to really say it, but if it's making any sense at all. It's like, I, I heard somebody one time say, the good news these days is that anybody can make a record. You know, the bad news is, is that anybody can make a record. Sure. You know, so like, you know, it, it's like, you know, even being a, a writer like myself, like I probably get anywhere from 35 to 45 emails a day of those of those emails t- telling me to listen to their bands, you know, there might be one that's good, you know. So well, meaning sure, like that, 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 you know, that's, that's sort of always been the problem. I mean, I I even remember back in late '80s when desktop publishing first started, mm-hmm. when Apple released the LaserWriter printer and software called PageMaker became available and all of a sudden everybody could become a printer. Uh-huh. Well, then all of a sudden a shitload of crappy stuff was being printed too. Uh-huh. But you know, there's nothing wrong with that because it means some people who can create something really great now have the opportunity to do it. The challenge today is you need to work extra hard at making sure you're discovered, you're heard, you're found. I tell people all the time, a great song is not a great song if nobody ever hears it. I don't give a crap who played on it. I don't. It could be the most well-crafted song in the world. If nobody hears it, it's not great. Uh-huh. So the, the problem is we still have musicians who are like, I just want to be a musician. I don't want to deal with any of that other stuff. Business, screw that. Marketing, screw that. Promotion, screw that. That's not what I'm about. I'm about a musician. I write great music. Uh, it's not enough. Great, great. Then you and your mom are going to love that album. Let me tell you, I I mean, as someone who's a, a musician myself, like I said, like I have my own band, but I run our website. I do our, <laughs> I do our social media. I book our gigs. You know, and it's exactly like you said. Like it's it's a totally even though it's a different time. And it's a different thing. It's like it's like you have to be willing to work, regardless of what level you want to be on. You know, like you, yeah. you know, even if you've got the smallest goal, like if your smallest goal is I want someone other than my mom to like this record, that means you need to have a Facebook page up, you need to have your music put up online, and you need to have at least Two people you don't know follow you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, like, you ha- you, so listen, it's like, you, it's, you it's have to work. care. You have to care about your career. Mm-hmm. And and people in the industry, it's pretty obvious when you see various bands, you can tell who cares and who doesn't care. And, and you can't get away with, I'm just a musician anymore. That's fine. You can be a musician and nothing more than that. And I'm not going to deal with you. I'm not going to spend any time on you. Fans aren't going to... It's just not worth it. Because you know what? There, For every one of you who doesn't care, there's 10 others who actually do care and who will bust their ass and will go further than you. So you're going to get left in the dust in this day and age because the music industry has been leveled. Not in a bad sense. It's a level field now. Oh yeah, I mean it, it. It is exactly what you said. It is actually at this point where I ha- I have as good of a chance as someone who is signed and in L.A. 
right now to do you you whatever. can you can you you, you know? have the ability now to directly engage with your fans you could not do that during the glory days of the music industry the only way you engaged with your fans was a record store meet and greet right and that was you know a few hundred people pushed through really quick and you shook hands and then they signed an autograph and that was it now you can engage directly with your fans every freaking day. You can find out exactly what they want, what they don't like. You can you can sell to them uh-huh. anytime you want. That's your gold. And those fans, if you're smart, will follow you for your entire career from band to band to band, project to project to project. Yeah, I've you, been super you, you, lucky you, in that sense. You've got to yeah. care. I mean, I've been, care. Yeah, I mean, I've been super lucky in the sense that, you know, I've been doing this for, God, over 25 years, you know? And I've got people that have li- been listening to me from solo, from bands, to this band, to Colin Strive, you know what I mean? Like, because, again, it's well, like... Well, listen, a, you're, you're lucky your mom still likes you. <laughs> Dude, she doesn't even like me. Are you kidding? <laughs> but like the, the the other thing too is that I, like what I have to remind people too is that it doesn't mean you have to quit your job and just say like that's your sense your source of validity. Like I'm gonna quit my job and do nothing but music. Well, you know what? Like I actually do PR for a couple of bands who have day jobs, and let me tell you what, those bands hustle harder. Than some of the most of the bands I know of that are like out on the road doing this, trying to do it for a living, you know. So really, it's not about your status and about like, oh, well, I've given it all up to play music. It's like no, no. It's like if you work a day job, are you willing to come home from work and stay up till two in the morning, posting to Instagram? Tweeting to your fans, updating your Facebook page. It, 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 you know, exactly. Listen, I mean, back back in in ninety five to ninety eight, when I built my fan website, I had a full time job. I was working minimum forty hours a week, uh-huh. sometimes fifty, sixty hours a week at my job, and I probably spent another forty hours a week building my website and crafting my website. So. You know, you do it because you care. You do it because it's important to you. You bust your ass. I didn't build a website. And and, and listen, you can look at the website as that was my CD and my, my art was HTML. And it's the same thing. I didn't do that and go, well, I'm doing this because my goal is to get a huge high paying job in Silicon Valley. Because that shit didn't even exist back then. Uh-huh. I I did it because, like most musicians out there, you had to do it. It was something you just had to do. You wanted to do this. You bust your ass at it. And you hope people like it. And you have dreams that something will come from it. But... You don't give it up after a year and go, well, fuck, I played that card and it didn't go anywhere. So now I'm going to try this. It's like, no. You know, overnight success is 10 years in the making. Oh, at least. I mean, you know, I mean, 
again, another thing I tell folks all the time is like, you know, you know, I'm 44 years old. People go, are you, are you just like still live, like going for it? And I'm like, you know what? I was like, the day I decided that I wanted to play music because I loved it and because I wanted nothing more out of it other than the sheer enjoyment of playing and performing for people like my music career became better than it ever was do you know what i mean now like could i have gone and the extra mile and become a touring act and tried to hustle and be out on yeah i totally could have but i made that you don't stand a chance you don't stand a chance at that yeah i mean not with this face (laughs) jesus christ man but you know what i mean like it's the same thing with a lot of these other bands and i tell them all the time i was like you know i was like don't get discouraged i was like you know if people are listening to your music and people are engaging you and and like you're engaging them you know if it's if it's more than what you had a year ago like that's success success is my is measured in growth it's 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 baby steps and as long as you're moving forward and a little bit up you know the end of the year you'll look back and go yeah i actually accomplished something yeah day to day it may not look like that but a year later you'll go shit i fucking accomplished i released a cd i toured the pacific northwest you know what whatever it might be you've got a some accomplishment it's it's significantly tougher in this day and age but it's not impossible and the Mm -hmm. and and the and the people who say you know rock is dead and there'll never be another big artist bullshit because nobody knows nobody knows what is going to if if somebody knew that person would be a 150 billionaire yeah manipulating the entire music industry because they can pick and choose nobody knows it's harder yes but unquestionably but it can still happen because you know the the music industry has proven to be constantly like a crapshoot like it surprises us all the time like like I, I i wrote a piece like a few years ago where like i remembered my dad walk coming into my room and like i was listening to iron maiden and my dad going those guys will be lucky if they're around for another 10 years where's maiden now you know what i mean like so it's like you know it, 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 i'm glad that we touched on this because it actually changed my perspective of thought because I see it from such a level of working with these smaller acts and seeing you know the work that they do and and how hard they work that like it almost seems to me impossible that like okay yeah you know will we there's a good chance we might not have the next David Lee Roth or the next you know Iron Maiden or whatever but you know, there's a Swedish band called Sabaton right now who is growing very steadily here in the States. And they're proving me wrong in the sense that there's a damn good chance that in the next 10 years, you know, that they could be the next Maiden. You know what I mean? As far as, like, the level, the status, the yeah. you know, the power yeah. of their performance, no, you know? No, no nobody, like, nobody knows, you know... Here's the thing about the music industry. If somebody is talking to you and says, I guarantee you this or that, leave. Oh. 
is nobody can guarantee anything. Nobody can guarantee you coverage. Nobody can guarantee that this is what's going to happen. Nobody can guarantee this is where the business is going. This business changes literally every freaking day. It is so fast moving right now. It's not, you know, stop sitting back going, well, I wish it was back in 1987. Stop wishing. It is never coming back. Those days are long gone forever. It will never come that way again. Nobody is ever going to get the, I signed a 10 album record deal with a $3 million advance. Never going to happen. Mm-mm. No. That, that business is gone. It's a completely different business now. You can, you, can, you can soak up your tears and cry all you want that it isn't that way. But guess what? A shitload of other bands are going, I don't care that that is dead. I'm working with what we got now, and I can do a shitload with what we got right now. I can record my own music. Fuck, I can, I can sit in my living room with garage band software. I don't need to spend $100,000 in a studio. I can do it in my freaking basement. I can get a really good sounding album out of this. I can spend 30 bucks and get it distributed to all the fucking outlets in the world. Yeah. And now my job is to go out there and find fans and connect with fans and keep growing and tour, tour, tour. Play all you freaking can. Yeah. I mean that's a and that's that that's that's the key right there, you know. But so before we close out though, um, tell me a little bit about your um pod your podcast about uh, your industry podcast because I'd love for some of the younger bands that are maybe tuning into this to know about that because I feel like that's such a great resource. All right, so the podcast is called the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, uh-huh. and you can find it. Anywhere podcasts are. It's on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, YouTube, you name it. It, it, it it's out there. Um, you can go to my website, michaelbrandvold.com, B-R-A-N-D-V-O-L-D.com, and there's links to it on there. It's been running pretty much weekly since 2011. Uh-huh. And... It's all about, you know, the main target is talking to artists who have to do this on their own. Um, You know, we will have shows where we just talk about tips and advice. Um, My co-host, Jay Gilbert, has spent years working in the music industry at various record labels. Uh Um, So we share our our experiences and our knowledge. Um, You know, here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. Don't do this. Do this. We'll have guests come on and talk about new things that are happening. I mean, I just earlier today I recorded a new episode where um, I had a guest gentleman's name was Wade Sutton, and we talked about how how important biographies, press releases, and press kits are, and what it takes to write them, and why bands need them, and 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 that type of stuff. And you're right, it's 100% free. They're usually 30 minutes, 40 minutes length. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, it's a boatload of free advice. And, you know, for those of you who are doing it yourself and are willing to put the work in, you can get a lot of direction out of these podcasts every freaking week. I mean, there's just the, the range of topics is 
everything related to the music business. Well, that's amazing. That is awesome, dude. I'm going to make sure I have the links also as, um, you know, as part of the post so that people can head over there and check it out. So, um, dude, thanks for being on my show, man. You're still my favorite asshole, and you know I love you, regardless know, of how much. You, you only dream of being an asshole as big as me. <laughs> you know, it's like I told you, like when we met at the expo, I was surprised that a, that, that like a big asshole vortex didn't open in the ground. But like, it, we just seemed to kind of cancel each other out. And like, my gosh, we were, we were actually like nice. <laughs> two, two, two assholes that get together all of a sudden become nice. And and, 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 and and let's be clear, I'm only an asshole in my character on three sides of the coin. You know, we've talked about that too. And like, you know, the same thing here is that like, you know, like I've had people that have met me, you know, like out and said, dude, when I met you, I wanted to kick your ass and now I want to buy you a beer. Why are you so nice? And I'm like, because, you know, like, you know, this, if you have the same conversation sitting next to someone while you're drinking a beer, like, it's, it's, a, it's a debate. But if you voice that opinion in print and you put it on side and it's read one way, you're an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, you know, it's part of the persona. It's part of who we are, though. But you know what, dude? You are a good guy and you're doing a lot of good stuff for the industry and for up-and-coming bands. And even for some schmuck like me who's been doing it for 25 years, I can still learn a lot of new shit. So I appreciate what you do, man. Cool. That's cool. So you know what? Let's go eat some cake. Oh, let's go eat some cake. All right, dude. Well, thanks for being on the show, Mike. I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. Okay.